Good morning. Any, any board games lovers in the audience? All right, I see a few hands. Uh, anyone ever played this game? Monopoly, yeah, probably one of the better known and maybe loved games out there. Uh, let's say we were playing uh, Monopoly and uh, I was accumulating properties and uh, money and uh, you were not doing quite as well as I was and at some point I would give you, offer you a wad of uh, uh, Monopoly money and say, if you give me 20 bucks, I'll give this to you. Would you trade $20 for a handful of Monopoly money no. to me? No. Why not? I'm sorry? Worthless. Yeah, it's worthless. When will it be worthless? At the end of the game. As soon as the game is over, right? Everything goes back in the box. Uh, Jesus is, in the passage we're studying, uh, dealing with a similar problem. It's a problem that we have uh, in that we esteem the opinion of people um, as something of, of greater value often than the opinion of God himself. And yet, uh, at this particular uh, stage of life, the opinion of people matters uh, to us. What people think about us uh, can really make an impact uh, to us. Uh, if you are running for a president or, say, the nomination of uh, the Democratic Party, the opinions of people matters a lot, right? It will determine whether you get the money. It determines whether you will be the representative of the party. Uh, and yet, uh, at the end of this life, the box will close and everything in this world will become worthless, including the opinion of men. And the only thing that will still matter at that point is the opinion of God. And that is why Jesus in Matthew 6 has been uh, speaking about the importance of doing things for God instead of to impress people. And we've already looked at that in regards to um, charitable deeds, that was the first item, when you do something charitable toward another person, which really means doing something out of kindness, expecting nothing in return. Uh, is that to impress people, or is that to, to impress God? Or I shouldn't say to impress God, but because of our relationship with God. And then he went into prayer, and today we'll be looking at the same uh, concept, but in regards to fasting. So we're, we're at Matthew 6, and we'll look at verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, 
but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Fasting seems to have been something that happened very frequently in the days of Jesus because he speaks about it with no introduction, without explanation. Uh, and yet today, fasting is not as common. Uh, and so I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time looking at cases of fasting in the Bible to kind of appreciate what fasting is and why people tend to fast. And I uh, was thinking maybe it will be fun to kind of do it a little bit in a trivia fashion. I will show you a picture, hopefully it'll show, and uh, you guys tell me who you think this, the person is in the picture and why they were fasting. Okay, let's see if we can do that. Okay, this is the first one. Who is the person in the picture and uh, why are they fasting? And just to remind you all, I am half deaf, so you have to yell, or you could raise your hand, and, uh, and uh, I'll point to you. Did I see someone raising their hand? Shep? Yeah, super. It is Hannah, very good. So that is Hannah, and why was Hannah fasting? I'm sorry? For a child, that's right. So that's Hannah in the picture, and you see Penina in the background with her children. Uh, Penina, they were married to the same man, which is never a good idea, but you know, in those days it was sometime practiced. And uh, Penina is the one with all the children, and Hannah wants a child. And uh, so she fasted, she refused to eat as they were all feasting together. And uh, the Lord heard her prayer and gave her Samuel which became a really a, a major turning point in the life of the nation of Israel. So a case of a fasting, prayer, and answer to prayer. Okay, next one. Some of these pictures are old. I, I confess I had to go online and try to find a picture that I thought did some justice to the occasion and uh, you know, gave enough clues so maybe we could figure out who it is they... The art sometimes is questionable, but I try not to pick anything inappropriate. So can anybody guess who this is and why they're fasting? Yes. King David. King David. Excellent. <laughs> All right. And why was he fasting? The life of the baby. Yeah, life of the baby. He had uh, an illegitimate relationship with uh, Bathsheba, and part of the judgment of, of that scene was the life of the baby would be taken away. And that, that's King David on the ground there. You can see he, he put his crown down uh, and begging God for the life of the baby. He fasted uh, all night. Uh, the elders of his household tried to raise him up. Come on, David, come up, eat. And he refused to. He says, now I'm going to continue praying. Maybe God will spare the child. This is a case where God did not answer the prayer. So fasting doesn't guarantee that God will answer the prayer, but it shows again, you know, when there's a special need, a person really is driven uh, to their knees to fasting, in this case, uh, imploring God for something that's really dear and precious to their heart. Okay, next.
Right, any takers? See if I can think of some hints there. Uh, it looks like a city. Looks like the city had uh, perhaps, perhaps idols in it that are being pulled down. All right, I see a hand there again. I'm sorry, captivity in Babylon. Uh, no, it is possible that uh, there was fasting in, during the captivity in Babylon, but that's not supposed to be the city of Babylon. Though actually not so far uh, historically. Yes, Matt? I heard someone say Nineveh. Yeah, very good. Uh, that's supposed to depict the city of Nineveh. If you recall, uh, Jonah came to that uh, city, and he told them God was going to judge them for their wickedness. And, uh, and the king believed the message of Jonah, and he commanded the whole city to fast, including the animals, no food, no water, sackcloth and ashes, imploring God to show mercy on the city. And case of prayer being answered against Jonah's expectations, or maybe, you know, within his expectations, which didn't make him very happy. But yeah, a case of uh, people driven to their knee, fearing God's judgment and God heeding them uh, and turning from his plan of judging that city. Okay, next. This one might be difficult. It's a man and an angel comes to the man. That's probably the two main hints you would have for who is fasting. I'm sorry my daughters are not here. I was kind of counting on them to help with this. <laughs> Someone should go and find them and bring them. Okay, any, anyone can think of cases in the Bible where uh, angels, were, an angel came to a man with a message. All right, I see. I'm sorry? Joseph, which Joseph? be the father of Jesus. Yeah, that, it's true. An angel did come to Joseph. I don't recall Joseph fasting, though. I am, at least I'm not uh, aware of that. But that's good. I mean, as far as an angel coming to a man, that definitely is a case of an angel appearing to a man. Uh, let's try Old Testament. I have put this in chronological order. So this would be after Nineveh. I'm sorry? Who said that? Okay. Uh, no, no, it's not Simon. Uh, Simon is uh, probably fasted, but not mentioned in the Bible. And I'm not, I don't remember an angel appearing to Simon. Uh, Elisha. Um, it's not supposed to be Elisha. I don't recall uh, Elisha fasting and an angel appearing to him. But probably Elisha has fasted, and he may have had angelic appearance. I mean, certainly he has interacted with angels during his time, yeah. But there's a specific account in the Bible, Old Testament, after Nineveh, a man fasting, praying, and an angel coming to him. I warn you, this one was difficult. 
Yes, Matt? Very good, Daniel. Daniel, this is uh, after he had his visions and he wanted to understand his visions and he fasted, asking God to, to reveal to him what his visions meant. And God sends an angel to him. Now, something interesting about this fasting is that it was actually a partial fasting. You wouldn't know it by the picture. He looks very serious about it. But uh, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And then the angel uh, appears. But it's notable, usually we think of fasting as a complete abstinence of food, but uh, there were cases in the scripture where it was a partial abstinence of food. In particular, uh, the type of food that might be most attractive to us. It could be done for health reasons. Uh, I don't know about you, but I miss a meal, and uh, I get a serious headache from, I think, a low blood sugar level. I miss two meals, and I'm useless. So ask me to fast and then pray at the end of a, a day of fasting. I'm not any good. Uh, I can't pray effectively at that point. So for me, what I, you know, if I fast, and I don't fast very often, uh, it tends to be just a partial fasting, which is scriptural based on this account. Okay, uh, next one. Also might be difficult, I confess. It might help if we think about the fact these are chronological this might be very shortly after. In fact, this man is probably a contemporary of Daniel. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but would have been very close at Daniel's heels. Uh, maybe one hint is that he is by a river. But I'll give this one to you after uh, 30 seconds if, if you really uh, are struggling. He was a leader of the people of Israel in the post-captivity period, I'm sorry? Moses? Moses? Uh, well, Moses was a leader of the people, um, and he has fasted when he received the law. He actually fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I personally think that wasn't a perfectly fair fasting. I believe God supernaturally helped him <laughs> with that one. But uh, no, no, it's not Moses. It, it's chronologically placed, uh, and so this would be after Daniel. I'm sorry, very good. It is Ezra. Uh, there was a time, uh, so Ezra was the leader of the people in the captivity, and uh, he went to the king of, I think it would have been Persia at the time, and, and explained to him about the law of God and God's will for there to be a temple and to be worshipped at the temple. And the king actually sends him, he gives him all the gold that was taken from the temple in Jerusalem before it was destroyed, and he's sending him, okay, go to Israel, establish your temple, offer sacrifices, and pray for me, right? And then Ezra, because he, he feels it would be shameful to ask for a company of gods to keep him and the treasure safe on the way to Israel, he decides, now we're just going to pray and ask God to protect us as we're carrying all this gold a thousand miles through territory that will for sure have bandits in it, and say, we're just going to look to the Lord during this time to keep us safe, and he fasts. He says, this is really critical. 
You know, the, the honor of God is on the line here, and that's what leads him to fast and to pray. And he did it by a river, which is really the only clue uh, in this passage. I apologize for picking this difficult. The next one is a little bit better known, perhaps. Very good. That's uh, Esther. Uh, you can tell that she's dressed as royalty. She's employing a king, and he's handing her this uh, rod to show his acceptance of her. If you recall the story, the Jews were being threatened by annihilation. Haman plotted their destruction. And um, Mordechai is asking Esther to do something that was um, really a, a death wish, which was go into the king and implore the king. The rule in Persia was nobody comes to the king without being invited. And so she says, okay, you fast, and I'll fast, and my maidens will fast, and after three days, I will go, and if I die, I die, right? This, this was, uh, you know, quite a serious matter, not just her life, but the life of all the Jewish people depended upon this occasion, so understandably, they felt the need of fasting uh, before she took this, this uh, dangerous action. Okay, next one. You confess this one might also be difficult. Someone actually mentioned the name of one of the person in the picture, yes? Simeon is there holding the baby, but who fasted? Anna, that's right. Anna, that would be the old lady. This is the case of Joseph and Mary, who also mentioned bringing baby Jesus to them. And Anna, we were told, uh, served the Lord with fastings in the temple, Simeon got his wish and really the promise of God that he would see the Messiah before he died, but Anna, I'm sure, was also receiving her promise. She's been praying, fasting and praying for the redemption of Israel, and here the Redeemer himself is brought. And she goes out of there and tells everyone who's with her probably has been praying for the redemption of Israel. Good. Uh, next one. All right, somebody said Jesus, right? Okay, why was Jesus fasting? It's a trick question because we're not told. We're not told. Uh, it seems to have been more of a case of testing because after he was hungry, it says the devil came to him and God put Jesus through a difficult uh, situation that really gave the devil an ideal opportunity to go after him, but it allowed the Lord Jesus to shine as gold and to really show there was nothing in him for the devil to lay hand on and to try to cause him to sin against God. Adam and Eve had every, you know, beautiful tree and, and fruit desirable, free for the taking, and only one tree they couldn't have, and the devil is able to use that to cause them to turn from God. Jesus had nothing in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and yet the devil couldn't find anything to twist him and turn him against God. Okay, last one. Another appearance of an angel. Remember, it might help remembering this is in chronological order. So after Jesus, yes? 
Very good, Cornelius. What was he praying for, or why was he fasting? It's all right, it's another trick question. The Bible doesn't tell us why he was fasting. Probably he was fasting because he wanted uh, to better know God, since the angel appears to him and says, okay, I will send men and they will tell you how you can really know God, how, how you can be saved, how, how you can be saved. So, okay, so just kind of gives us a, a little bit of an appreciation of reasons for fasting. It's usually something that really burdens you, something that's really important, and, and that's what really drives you to make do without food, wanting to really seek God full-heartedly in prayer. Okay, so I have, uh, the rest of the message is broken into perhaps uh, three or four points. One is, should I fast? Uh, the next is, how not to fast? The next point will be, how to fast? And the final one, you could call it uh, keys for healthy fasting. Keys for healthy fasting. Okay, should I fast? Uh, the Bible does not command us to fast. There is no command in the Bible to fast. Uh, there are occasional commands given to specific people at specific time to fast. Um, in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, for example, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So there are cases where God asks a specific group of people to fast, but there is no general commandment uh, to fast in the Bible. So the suggestion is, it really is something that a person has to reach uh, independently based on the circumstances that you're in. If there is something, a real burden on your heart, uh, that would be a good reason to fast. But there is no, it's not part of the general commandments uh, in the Bible. However, let me add this. In this passage and, and other passages, it's clear that Jesus expected that his disciples would fast, at least on occasion. So there's no you know, commandment for how often you should fast, but if we're not fasting at all, it suggests we're missing something, right? For Jesus to say when you fast suggests that it's a normal part of the Christian life. So if we're not fasting at all, it suggests, you know, what am I missing? What part of the normal Christian life am I missing? Am I missing part of God's blessing for me because I am not fasting? I think that would be a fair question to ask if you've never fasted. Okay, uh, so that answers the question or attempts to answer the question, should I fast? Next is how not to fast, which brings us to the actual passage we're studying today. It says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. How not to fast? Well, don't fast for the appearance of people. Don't fast so that other people think 
that you are spiritual. That is not the purpose of fasting. So generally speaking, the advice of Jesus is don't tell anyone. When you're fasting, don't let anybody else know that you're fasting. Now, there's clearly cases where that was not the case, when Daniel was fasting with uh, you know, sackcloth and ashes or whatever he has. It must have been obvious to people that he was fasting. So there might be a situation in which it's, it's okay, but that shouldn't be the normal for people to know that you're fasting. The ideal fasting is a personal. It's between you and God. Nobody else needs to know that you're fasting. That would be uh, the ideal. Uh, the consequence of fasting for the good opinion of other people is uh, that you're rewarded with the good opinion of other people. Right? And you get nothing else. To me, it kind of goes back to this monopoly money uh, thing. I have another uh, example of that. If you show the next picture, all right, any guesses what this is? I'd be kind of scared if you knew, so I'm just going to tell you. Uh, but uh, there's video games out there, and in some of these video games, uh, the purpose of the game is to shoot people. And so this is a video game where you go around and, and shooting people in probably some uh, semi-legitimate you know, uh, virtual environment, they're, they're probably bad guys or terrorists or doing something that they should be stopped. But in these games, often what happens is you play and you play, and then you gain some reward for playing. And, and that might be in the form of points that you get in the games. A lot of these games, you can convert those points into buying an item that you can use in the game itself. Right? So you can get a better gun for yourself if you're playing uh, a game where you're, you're shooting people or things. Um, and uh, occasionally you might get something that's really good that other people wish they could have, but they don't have enough points to buy them. And there is an environment, an online environment, where you can actually sell. You can sell the items, these virtual items, that, uh, that you, you find in these games to people who really want them. This particular gun was sold for $60,000. Somebody paid real $60,000 to get that virtual gun so they could play that game. Now, you know, you try to think, well, what's the mentality that would lead a person to do it? Well, they're probably spending a lot of hours playing that game. They really enjoy that game. They might you know, finish their eight hours of work at work, assuming they're working. Um, and then you know, they might spend the rest of the day playing it. And to them, this really has become their life. They really enjoy uh, being in that environment and playing that game. The problem is we tend to limit our eyesight. So you'd say that person's eyes are very limited to that game. That's what they think, in a sense, is the most important part of their life. And we are in danger of similarly confining our thoughts to this world and to think what happens in this world is the most important thing uh, that, that, that is. And if that's true, well, the high opinion of people matters a lot in this world. It might affect whether you get a certain job. It might affect the kind of uh, Christmas gifts 
that, that I can get. Uh, people in politics get millions of dollars based on people liking them and what they're doing. So it is important, but it's only important in this world. When we enter eternity, as our sister Aurora passed away 10 days ago, she's in eternity, nothing in this world matters. The opinion of people doesn't matter, has no impact on her anymore. And the same will be true with us. So to fast for the purpose of having uh, the high opinion of people is like spending $60,000 over a virtual gun. It doesn't matter. In the long run, you're wasting your effort if you're fasting for the high opinion of people. Uh, I have a couple of other uh, warnings in the Bible about fasting in inappropriate ways, so I thought it would be fair to bring it in at this point of how not to fast. We have an example in Luke 18, verse 11 through 12, of a Pharisee. It says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I possess. In this case, the Pharisee was fasting not necessarily to impress others. It could be, but it's clear that he was impressing himself. Right? He felt he was more spiritual because he was fasting. And I think that's a, a greater danger for me. That's probably uh, the biggest problem with fasting is it makes me think that I'm spiritual. Right? And that's not why you should be fasting. Right? It, again, throwing away your money. <laughs> right? it's, not, it's not the purpose of fasting to make ourselves think that we are spiritual. And then finally, uh, we have a warning for us in Isaiah 58, 3 through 4. It says, Why have we fasted? They say, this is the Lord speaking about Israel. Why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen. Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. And this was God finding a disconnect between uh, religious Israelites that were fasting to him and praying to him but in the meantime, they were mistreating their laborers. They were uh, unkind to their neighbors. And God says, look, I'm not going to listen to you praying to me, even if you fast, when this is how you're treating your fellow man. So if we're fasting to God, if we're praying to God, our lives need to reflect God's priorities. And mistreating other people put us completely out of sync of God's priority, right? Someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Don't tell me you love me and hate your neighbor, right? That's what John said in 1 John. That's impossible. Right? If you love God, you will love those things that are dear 
to God. If my child is mistreating his siblings, you know, and then comes to me and asks for something, I'm like, there's a problem here. You know, these siblings of yours happen to be my children, and I love them. And the way you're treating them is putting you completely outside of, of where I want you to be. This is not a good time for you to come and ask me for something. Okay, how not to fast. Uh, next, how to fast. The passage tells us, uh, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the main thing is don't tell other people, right? That's, that's what Jesus is saying here, don't act in such a way, you know, don't go around with, oh, I'm so hungry. Why are you hungry? Oh, I've been fasting for the last three days. You know, <laughs> okay. You know, uh, you know, fasting is to be a private part of your relationship with God. Um, it says, your father who is in the secret place. Ideally, there is a secret place between you and God. There's a relationship that you're enjoying with God. And that's where God wants to meet with you. And that's where the purpose of fasting is supposed to bring you into that place where you're closer to God, and you're calling on God, and you're praying to God, and everything that's in you is devoted to that one purpose of, of of being intimate with God in a time of prayer. So that is how to fast. That's the purpose of fasting. And along with that, Jesus <coughs> gave a promise. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. We talked about monopoly money, virtual items, as not being of eternal value, really not even being of earthly value. And um, yet the reward that God gives us in return to fasting is an eternal reward. And I was thinking about it. What is the reward <coughs> for fasting? <coughs> I think the first and foremost really is growing in our relationship with God. It's really a time to spend with God and get deeper in your relationship with him. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So really, our eternal life starts when we come to know him, and it grows as we know him more and more. That's, that's God's purpose for us. Now and in heaven is to get to know him. And fasting is one way of getting closer and closer to God. Um, another one, another eternal reward is fruits um, from our fasting. Um, yeah, I use that as an illustration. Let me try to connect it a little bit. Um, the goal of, of fasting <coughs> typically is prayer for something that's important to us and God answering that prayer. And we saw that in all cases, uh, except one, that being of King David. And there was a reason why God didn't answer that prayer. But uh, 
you know, why is fasting going to result in answers to prayer that prayer by itself will not? So I'm just trying to use this as an illustration. Uh, it might be a little bit weak. <clears throat> and, I, and I should add that there's no reason why God cannot answer a prayer when you just pray without fasting, right? I don't wanna, the last thing I want to do is discourage anyone from praying or think that because I'm praying without fasting, God will not answer my prayer. The scripture says, be careful for nothing, but in all things, you know, by prayer and supplication, you know, come to God. Uh, there should never be a reason of why not to pray. But I find that some things help me to pray. I can pray without opening my mouth, right? But it helps me when I speak my prayers out loud. So certain times I won't, right? If I'm in a business meeting and I sense a need for the Lord, you know, I'm not going to say, would everybody be quiet, please? I have something to say to the Lord, <laughs> right? I'll just pray in my heart. And there's examples of that in the scripture. That's what Nehemiah did when he was facing the king. Um, he just prayed in his heart. But it helps me to speak out loud. It helps me to pray more effectively when I'm on my knees, right? And I don't tend to do it, you know, in public so much, you know, but when I'm in private and speaking to the Lord, it helps me pray more effectively on my knees. Same thing about fasting. Fasting helps me spend more time in prayer with God. I, I believe it, it increases the effectiveness of my prayer. And the illustration here, and I'm missing my soccer-playing daughter, but uh, this is what they call a penalty, penalty kick. Anybody here familiar with soccer, the rules of soccer? Okay, so penalty kick, also sometimes called the 11-meter uh, kick. They... Uh, you know, a foul was, was committed inside of the box, and there is a shot. Somebody is going to take a shot at the goal. All right. Why isn't he standing next to the ball? That's my question. Why isn't he standing next to the ball? He's going to take a running start. He's going to take a running start, right. Why? Because taking the running start will allow him to kick the ball harder. And that's, that's how I feel about prayer. It allows me, uh, fasting, it allows me to pray harder. Again, no problem with praying without fasting. But when something really counts and you're really concerned about it, then fasting you know, helps you focus on that prayer, spend the time effectively and get the most out of it. And I believe there's times when God will not answer a prayer without fasting. He wants that commitment from you. And that's why we see examples uh, in the Bible of fasting and exceptional answers to prayer. So that's, again, one, one eternal reward of fasting is fruits. You know, we'll see things answered. And, and we're not talking so much about, you know, Lord, I really you know, need this job. And again, that's fair. Pray for that. And if you need to fast for that, fast for that. Uh, but praying for people's souls. Uh, praying for a believer who's struggling with sin. And God answers those prayers, and you will see the fruit of those prayers being answered for all of eternity. Samuel, <laughs> the impact he had on people for eternity, the result of his mother fasting and praying, right? There's fruit there. 
to be enjoyed. Thinking outside the picture, thinking about eternity, thinking about the kingdom of God. The, the, our last study was looking at Jesus teaching us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And what's that? It's praying for the kingdom of God, eternal fruit uh, from fasting. Finally, uh, the Bible teaches us that God has eternal rewards for us in heaven. That's God's choice. Uh, you know, a lot of us will say, well, just being there is reward enough. We don't really need anything more than just being in heaven. But God promises rewards in heaven. And um, in Ephesians 2.7, it says this. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Um, everything that God does in our lives is for the purpose of revealing uh, himself, his goodness, his kindness. And fasting is part of enjoying the ride, right? Now, we don't think of fasting as enjoying things, <laughs> but it's really part of the ride of the Christian life and seeing, growing in grace, growing in our relationship with God, seeing eternal fruits, seeing God doing things through, through our fasting is part of God's kindness toward us, answers to prayers as a result of fasting. And, um, and I think God will reward us by showing us all the things that he accomplished in our lives through fasting. So our fasting will result in eternal reward, things that God uh, has for us to enjoy in eternity. Okay, so that's my take of the kind of rewards. Again, Jesus promises the reward, so don't bank it on what I say. Uh, Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly, and I just gave some examples of the type of rewards uh, that we can expect from fasting. Okay, last point I have that I promise you is keys for healthy fasting. So, unfortunately, most of you will go out of this meeting and say, I should probably fast. And you will fast, maybe sometime in the next week or month, and you might not fast again for years. Right? That's unfortunately my experience. <laughs> you hear a message about fasting, I should probably fast. Uh, that's not healthy fasting. Right? That's not healthy uh, fasting. To, to try to, um, to get an appreciation of what healthy fasting uh, might be, I, I, I prepared a little slide. Can, can you back up one, or is this what pops up immediately? It's, that's the only thing, okay. That's uh, different versions of wood. Uh, so I had, before I put the extra text on it, uh, this was the standard, uh, I don't know what you call it, food, food, food pyramid, right? And it just kind of showed, you know, things you need to eat a lot of, vegetables, fruit, uh, grains, and then things you need to eat more moderately, which is like meats and milk products, and then things you shouldn't have quite as often, eat only a little, and that's, Looks like soda and, and maybe sugary uh, foods, desserts, which we all wish. Oh, there you go. We all, which we all wished were at the bottom of the pyramid, but they're at the top. Um, and now I'm going to borrow. So go ahead and, and click to the next one. Now I'm going to borrow this order from 
Matthew chapter 6. And uh, again, I don't want to be too dogmatic. You could probably argue a little bit about the order of things. But the first things that Jesus introduced us into in this passage is charitable, uh, charitable uh, deeds, or, which is, like I said, basically being kind to someone. And, uh, and that really should be the foundation of the Christian life. The foundation of the Christian life is to show love to people. Jesus says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you show love to one another. He didn't say if you pray or if you fast, if you show love or if you love one another. So really, I think that's the foundation of the Christian life. And uh, as you love people, you get to know them. And as you get to know them, you could start praying for them more intelligently, right? Because you could say, uh, okay, I know Brother uh, Noad and his, his wife, Sharon, uh, they're facing uh, some difficult time. His wife is going to have a surgery, and I'd like to help them out. And somebody did. One of the saints uh, came to our house and brought some flowers uh, and a nice card this was like the day before, maybe a couple days before the surgery, uh, a card for my youngest son. He's homeschooled. And uh, for him, it would be harder that his mom would be in a surgery. He's going to be without her for a day or a better part of a day. And, uh, and you know, this saint, you know, wrote in there some encouraging word for my son and included a $20 bill and say, hey, this is something for you, a snack for you and for your dad during the surgery. He can go somewhere and get, get yourself something to eat, which I was really touched, right? That was a uh, charitable deed, right? An act of kindness. And that's really what the, the Christian life is based on. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure the person also prayed for my wife as she was going through her surgery. Um, and that's um, really the next phase is, like I said, prayer is things that, that I cannot actually help a person with, right? She could have prayed, this, uh, this saint could have prayed, you know, I know Sharon and Noad are going to go through a tough time. Lord, you know, just help them, encourage them. She said, I can do it myself. I'm going to bring them flowers. I'm going to bring them a card. I'll give them something to just encourage them at this time. But you know what? I can't. I can't make sure that the surgery goes well. So I'm going to pray and ask God <laughs> to make sure that the surgery goes well. And then to me, fasting would be on top of that, not as often, but sometimes those things that really are critical for us and we just you know, can't imagine how we will live or how they will live without that particular item and we will we will, you know, say, Lord, this is serious, and I'm going to stop everything I'm doing, or I will give up on, you know, something uh, that I like to do so that I can spend more time in prayer, so that I can pray more effectively uh, to you. And so in my mind, this is the key for healthy fasting. It builds on a foundation, right? You can't just fast without praying and without doing charitable deeds. Right. It builds on each other. The, the Christian life builds at the bottom and goes to the top. So, application from this message, fast, sure, 
but uh, seek to, to build up on the Christian life, on the base of, of charitable deeds, and then regular prayers for the saints. And then on special occasions, you might feel the Lord calling you to fast as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We recognize all our blessings come from you. We realize you are the one who gave us the opportunity to fast in this life as a way of drawing closer to you and seeing even a greater effectiveness in our prayer life. We ask that you might uh, help us, guide us, Lord. Help us not just seek fasting as a means of... uh, of being spiritual, but really part of a healthy Christian life that pleases you in every way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.